And now let's pivot. Good morning. I am your pastor, Regina Falange. How you doing? I welcome you all here to worship this day on this Friends Sunday. So grateful to have each and every one of you here, whether you are worshiping with us in the sanctuary, whether you are worshiping with us online this morning. What a joy it is for each and every one of us to gather with uh, joy in our hearts to give thanks to God for his so many wonderful gifts, but especially today, we are giving God thanks for friendship. So if you are uh, sitting on the center aisle, I do ask that you kindly sign the friendship pad and pass it along to your neighbors. Uh, those of you who are friends, who are new worshiping with us this morning, we do ask that you kindly put an asterisk next to your name so that we know that you uh, have been brought by a RGPC member. And we also want to make sure that you get your $5 coffee gift card to Anastasia and Katie's Coffee House. Um, we've only got 20 available today, so if uh, we've got more than 20 friends worshiping with us today, we want to make sure that we get a card to you in the mail at a future date. So we are so grateful for each and every one of you for being here today. I do have a few quick announcements that I would like to share with everyone. Uh, we have started our 9 a.m. Bible study again on Sunday mornings. We had a few gathered in the chapel today, and that will continue on from here on out. So we'd love to have you join us for 9 a.m. in the chapel every Sunday morning. And pretty soon our uh, Bible study, our Monday evening Bible study, is also going to begin. And they are doing a study on 1 Samuel. And you will notice in your bulletin and also on all of our social media, you will find information on those people to contact, uh, letting them know that you would love to come and join in on the Bible study. Also this morning, we'd like to uh, welcome our buddy over here, Roman Hughes. Say hi to everybody, Roman. Yay! He is Sandy's bench buddy this morning, and you too can be a bench buddy. You too can sit next to Sandy while she plays, and it's really something to watch her play, especially the organ. It's just amazing to see her feet flying all over the place. So anybody of any age is welcome to be Sandy's bench buddy. Any Sunday morning that you would like, just let her know. Also, I am calling all corn shuckers. The middle school youth group is going to be heading out next Sunday morning, bright and early at 8.30 a.m. to go shuck corn for our, um, our corn roast that is happening here in the city of Livonia. And the corn roast is put on every year for new residents that have come into the city, and it's a way for different organizations within the city to say, welcome to Livonia. Also, calling all of you lobsters out there, if you have found your lobster and have been married for more than 50 years, we would love to know if you have a milestone coming up with your anniversary. Immediately after worship today, uh, we do have coffee hour. It's going to be happening in the parking lot, and that's when you'll have a chance to be able to greet all of our friends that are worshiping with us today. But we also have a confirmation meeting happening in New Hall after worship as well. So if you have a student who is seventh grade and up and wishes to become a member of this amazing congregation, we ask that you join us in Youth Hall to learn more. 
So unfortunately, we haven't had choir in a little while because we've been on a break, but choir is back, and uh, there's all sorts of ways um, that you can uh, use your musical gifts. We also have a adult bell choir and chime choir that is starting, so once again, you can also check in with Sandy for more information on that. So I'm going to pivot again and would like to draw your attention to uh, some members who are in need of our particular prayers this morning. So uh, Roger Wobig has been in U of M Hospital where he has been diagnosed with pneumonia as well as COVID. And thankfully so far the medical team has been able to keep him off the vent and we are so happy to hear that he is beginning to improve. But he has had a very rough week. And then we also wish to keep in our prayers Megan Barker, who was recently hospitalized due to ongoing health issues. Um, and we are happy to share that she is out of the hospital and home and rebuilding her strength. And we celebrated the life of Scott Thompson, former member here of Rosedale, this past Friday. But we ask that you continue to keep Joanne and the rest of the family in your prayers. And as we make our way through the congregation, as we pray our way through the congregation, the four families that we'll be praying for this week are the Avis, the Cole, the Kinville, and the Pearson families. With that, my dear Sandy, you are on. Shape generations for many years now that we have uh, 
that's playing on streaming services all over the place. So we are excited again to be worshiping our amazing God this morning and giving him thanks for friendship. So now, let us worship God. Our first scripture reading today is from the New Testament, letter of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth, together with all believers, so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Good morning, Rosedale Gardens Church. I'm Ruth Billington, and I bring greetings from Colorado. I served as your associate pastor straight out of seminary from April 1993 to January of 2000. I give thanks for those many years of welcome and wonderful opportunities to minister with you. I'm delighted that my friend Kelly asked me to join you today, for you are never far from my thoughts and prayers. And I often share with colleagues the beautiful gift you are, for you have learned the importance of being really connected. Yes, we have the internet and its seemingly long list of Facebook friends. You have multiple levels of real relationships. Let's see what they are. First of all, you're a true neighborhood church. You have longtime neighbors and strong connections with local businesses. Secondly, you're a family church with multiple generational ties. Your homes provide a sense of belonging and security to its members, and you offer open doors to friends, to neighbors. But most of all, you are a church of friends. Friends you've grown up with, and new friends who bring new perspective and transforming ideas to your life together. These are friends with whom you work and play and worship and pray. Yes, Rosedale Gardens, you are indeed strongly rooted in love. And that's fun. But as I read your responses to the pandemic and I see names of new members, and I learn of your new focus to be the I in kind, I see you are indeed ripe for an even greater harvest. We're in the midst of a pandemic of health and spiritual anxiety. We are in an unprecedented time of polarity. Now, more than ever, you need to share your gifts and your talents. 
us without us. When you do this, the Christ within you breaks bread with the Christ in your neighbor. Your neighbor's thirsty. Give Christ a drink. The stranger at your door is lonely. Invite him or her in to your house, to your church, and into your heart. When you do this, when you share new and different gifts of love, you grow. And as you grow, I pray that you truly know the width and the length, the height and the breadth, the fullness of God's love. May it be so. Amen. Those here at home, would you please stand for a call to worship. At home it will be found on the screen, and here you can find it in your bulletin. We are here because we have heard the call of Jesus in our lives. We are here because we want to be God's people. We come seeking to be moved, changed, and made whole by the Spirit of the living God. Let us worship God.
confession. God is near, calling each of us to listen and to act. Let us place ourselves before God and open our minds and hearts to God's loving forgiveness that it would empower us with the fire of transforming faith. Call us forth, O God, to tend the places of beauty long forgotten, to plant gardens in the deserts of hurt, to pick the flowers of hope when others only see despair. Forgive us when we have done otherwise. God, all life, together, let us discover some goals for action, some rest for our weariness, some healing for our wounds. Forgive us when we have done otherwise. Let our forgiveness flow like a gentle river, and let our tables overflow children 
And we soon discover what it means to have friends, to have people that you love unconditionally, and to have people that will be there for you as well. So this is by far one of my favorite topics to talk about, and it is one of the most talked about relationships that Jesus talked about through his ministry as well. The gift of friendship it is indeed a gift from God, and especially those relationships that are attached to Jesus Christ. Like it said in the scripture that I read, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I have known that throughout my life, those friends that I have had where we have Jesus as the reason for why we have come together in the first place, those have been some of the strongest and most sacred friendships that I have had. And I am grateful for this uh, cadre of pastors behind me who have all been incredibly dear friends um, and have been mentors to me and have just meant the world to me. And I do wish to take a, a brief moment and call out my dear friend, Kelly, and just thank her publicly for the fact that throughout COVID, she allowed me to be part of her household and being someone that lives alone and is separated from my own family. I could not have made it through those times of lockdown unless Kelly had allowed me into her, her household. And the fact that we had Jesus Christ at the center of our relationship to begin with, I'm so grateful. I know you all understand what that means. So again, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Bring God into the heart of all of your relationships, especially your friendships, because there is power when a friend sits with you in your brokenness at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Come on, you guys, we're sorry. Our, our subway broke down. That's a lie. You went to the game. I can see Joey's hand.
The cranberries? Uh, hey, Nat, a monkey could have made them. <laughs> Listen, guys, we feel really terrible. We feel that weird eye contact thing. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Come on, you guys. We want you to know we're very, very sorry. Right, guys? I feel I'm so terrible. Some of you have moved. <laughs> it is so good to be here among friends today. Uh, Kelly told us that we should introduce ourselves. Uh, I am Keith Provo, and I was a parish associate here in 2017. But if you don't like what I say today, my name is Rick Peters. <laughs> since I had been a member of Allen Park Presbyterian when she was uh, when she received her first call as an associate there she had a profound effect on my family especially my two youngest she officiated at our daughter Marie's wedding and also at that of my widowed mother to my stepfather our son Nathan was actually a part of her installation service here. She was the person who pointed me to Ecumenical Theological Seminary and its cooperative program with McCormick Seminary, her alma mater. And of course, she was part of my ordination service. Thanks, Kelly. Given our history and our friendship, I couldn't say no to her when at Anne's suggestion, she asked me to come and join your staff, even though I was committed to retiring. But then, who can say no to Kelly? It was so much fun, and it still is, to be able to call her boss. Something she cringes at, as you just saw. But responding to a friend's request for help, that's what friends do, isn't it? Getting to do ministry here alongside the staff and in particular to watch Kelly masterfully operate as a head of staff and to see Kate grow in her role in ministry was an absolute joy. You are so blessed to have this dynamic and creative duo, sort of a, all right, I'm going to show my age here, Cisco Kid and Pancho, or maybe it's just Batwoman and Robinette. 
what a privilege it is to call them my friends and while my time here was short as i started to think about what to say today the memories of that year just came flooding back and every bit of those memories had warmth at the center of it the friendships found here the genuine affection that you show for one another for your staff and for god i remember feeling loved and cared for just a short time after i began here you see it was less than a month into my time that my wife's aunt passed away and four weeks later my mother and the following month my brother-in-law and in december my aunt If all of you, the congregation, the staff, Kelly and Kate, had not been so supportive and understanding, the job during that year of grief for me and my family would have been impossible. You demonstrated Christian compassion, love, and friendship beyond anything I could have reasonably expected. That's what friends do, isn't it? You welcomed me into your homes, into your hospital rooms, into your lives as if I were a longtime friend. You'd made me feel at ease in situations where I was uncomfortable, even if you didn't realize that's what you were doing. But that's what friends do, isn't it? You gave me and Kelly and Kate the permission to speak what we perceived to be the truth, both in person and from this pulpit, even if it wasn't what you wanted to hear in that moment. You respectfully listened to us, to me. There is such grace in that. That's what friends do, isn't it? I remember when we celebrated Kelly's 25th anniversary of her ordination, I stood in this pulpit and said that I was unworthy to preach that day, and you knew it was true. So did Rick and Kate, who were seated right over there, and they tried to come up and take over the pulpit, but I wouldn't let them. You knew what a thrill it was when the real preacher that day, Kelly's friend and mentor, Mark McDonough, appeared from back there. I said, Mark McDonough appeared from back there. Huh, worked the last time. Oh, well, not working today. Sorry about that, Kel. That's what friends do, isn't it? You laughed at my attempts at jokes then and thankfully today, and you embraced holy humor someday. That's what friends do, isn't it? There was love in your smiles, your handshakes after worship, and the embraces you accepted and gave in return. And it's not just 
for me. It's for all of us, all of us, not just those seated up here. And then on my last Sunday with you, you presented me with this beautiful stole that every time I wear it, I remember you. But this caring, it is part of the character of this community of faith and not all, sadly, are like this. But it is what friends do, isn't it? This congregation bears witness to Jesus' words as found in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. That love you demonstrate proves the truth of that scripture that Christ is here among us and you and your embrace of Christian faith and friendship. That's what friends do, isn't it? Thanks be to God. Our next reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love this scripture passage. I once read the translation in the message that now sticks with me in whatever translation I read it in, and the summary given by Eugene Peterson is this, put on love because it's your basic all-purpose garment. If I could give you a charge today, and I guess I will, it goes for me and all of us up here as well. In a day and age where we are surrounded and bombarded by what separates us, we are called by Christ, and in this case by Paul who is in prison in Rome, to put on love every day. Back when he wrote this, the young church was being kind of infiltrated by those who wanted to bring back in some of the pagan customs into this new church that have committed itself to following Jesus. And so the theme of this overriding little letter is that in Christ we have what we need. The world may still tell us otherwise, 
but in Christ we have what we need. And what are we to do now that we have Christ? And Paul answers, we are to be kind and humble. We are to be gentle and patient. We are to be forgiving. We're to have a lot of gratitude. Gratitude for God and to God for the gift of one another. And in our friendships, our relationships, we're to bear all things together, good or difficult. And yet most importantly, love. I believe that Paul really stressed love because love is the binding power which holds people and relationships together. It's the glue by which all of those other qualities stick. And there's a security in love that does not let us down, but pulls us up. Friends, it is a supreme pleasure to serve you and love you. It is a pleasure and a call to be able to walk with you through this life. To be able to bring back all these incredible pastors who have served you and loved you. And so, what a journey we are on as we continue into the future with hope, with faith, loving as we go. Amen. so good to be here. And some of you have moved, but some of you are right where you've always been. <laughs> exactly in the same places. Um, I want to introduce myself to you. Uh, it's interesting because I served here as interim two times. One time back in 2011 and the last time in 2015. So today is not only my five-year anniversary, but ten-year anniversary of celebrating with you. So um, it's a joy to be back here with all of you beautiful people and to see you still worshiping and loving God. Um, and with all of my friends up here who are every single one of them dear friends who I still regularly see and get together with. So I'm, I'm very pleased that you invited me to come back. A lot has happened in the last five years since I was um, last in this pulpit. I have been back for installations and ordinations and different celebrations, but a lot has happened since I was here, both in my life and in yours. And I've kept track of, of all of you and what's been going on and prayed for you. Um, today we're here to celebrate our faith, uh, which is strong. And one of the main components of keeping us strong in our love of Jesus Christ is friendship. And you have that here. I saw that and I sense it here today. And I just, I love the theme, by the way, that was chosen for today. So thank you for inviting me back today. Um, when I heard your theme for today was friendship, specifically based around the program, the TV sitcom Friends, I was delighted and amused at the same time. Uh, while I know that not everyone has seen the show, We had a pre-worship meeting, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are some that haven't seen the show. Um, I personally have watched every single episode, in fact, some of them more than one time, due to the fact that I have daughters in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and this is what they did. 
with their cousins and when we would all get together. And I found it was a very funny show. If you're not familiar with the show, let me say that, just a little background, there are six main characters, six friends, Ross, Chandler, Joey, Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe, and you saw them all in the Thanksgiving clip that was just shown a few minutes ago. Um, and each show is given a name, which begins with the one that, okay? So there was the one where it all began, the one where Joey did this, the one where Joey did that, the one where Rachel didn't do this, um, the one that was the last one, and all those in between. So for today's purposes, I will call this the one where all the clergy came back. Because I'm pretty sure that that one wasn't used in that show, and it's not a copyright, um, a copyright thing. So here we all, all are representing different seasons of Friends as we're up here today. Different seasons at RGPC. I'm going to subtitle mine, The One Where Anne Kept Coming Back. <laughs> so Friends. What can I say about friendship in my time at RGPC? In the show uh, Friends, one of the endearing things, to me at least, one of the most beautiful aspects was that even though they had issues, which you could see in that one clip we saw, even though they had issues between themselves, uh, they had this great cabal of friendship, and they loved each other unconditionally. Absolutely unconditionally, no matter what any of them did, and trust me, there were some things that they did that were um, unmentionable from the pulpit. <laughs> but as interim, when I was here, both the times that I kept coming back, there was this, I always experienced this unconditional, um, pure Christian love in this congregation, even when there were issues and there are in any church, I can tell you, I've served 14 different interims. Every single church has issues. But what I experienced here with you was this unconditional sense of love for each other. And that we were able to use our love for Jesus Christ to move on. And this is also biblical. As I was thinking about this last night, I thought of these examples that I just want to share with you briefly. Some of my favorite friendships in the Bible. Ruth and Naomi. Do you remember them? Okay, so here is in a, a story in the Bible, a daughter-in-law who is unconditionally devoted and loving toward her mother-in-law. Um, some might call that one the one with the miracle. Okay? But here's this friendship between them that was forged um, that, that between different age, different backgrounds, everything about them was different. And I saw that kind of thing here at Rosedale Gardens, that it didn't matter what your age was, it didn't matter what your background was, it didn't matter um, where you came from, who you were, but there was this, this love for one another, um, this unconditional love. And if you were a senior, you loved the children. And if you were a teenager, you loved the adults, and the pastors, and the staff, and the session, and everybody, and worship together. So that's one friendship I thought of. Another one was Abraham and Lot. If you remember, there was a story in the Bible when Lot was captured. Um, and once he was captured, Abe got out all of his troops, all his people, to rescue him. 
And let me say that I saw that here with all of you. Personally, your staff here, when another member of the staff had a need, they were always there for each other. Always. They would gather the troops. And you know, even after I left here and went on to do wherever I went next, <laughs> um, even after I left here, I had some very heartbreaking personal tragedies in my life. And Rosedale Gardens sent out the troops. They were there. And they rescued me. That is friendship. Um, there are other biblical friendships that parallel here. David and Jonathan, I love the story of David and Jonathan. It talks about their love for one another. And there was this immediate bond between them and this acceptance and this intimacy. And one of the things that parallels and mimics uh, this story at Rosedale Gardens is the idea that when somebody walks through your doors, you immediately embrace them. No judgment. You know, you, you just welcome them to come worship with you, to come break bread with you, um, to be loved by you. And it didn't, it didn't matter where they came from, what the community was, whether they were from the city or the country or um, me, what some of you used to call living up north, <laughs> up in Orchard Lake, but it didn't matter. You were there and you always embraced everyone and continued to do so. Then there was a friendship between Elijah and Elisha. And this was a situation where friends, the two of them, they stuck it out with each other. My experience here, just like that, was that even when things got tough, um, or we had to work something out, you all stuck it out. You didn't walk out, you didn't bail, you stuck it out. And that is not easy to do. In other churches, people have just left. But you stuck it out, you were here. Sometimes, you know, we just want things to fade away or we don't want to talk about them when they get tough. But true friendship sticks it out and you talk things through and you loved each other through those times. And then there's Jesus and his friends. Of course, there were many friends, just like we have many, but some were very, very special. And the first ones that come to my mind, of course, are, the, are Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And in that situation, um, Jesus loved them so much. They were part of his closest friends. You know, he would visit them, like when you go up north and you stay with someone. He would always stay with them. And you know when Lazarus died that Jesus cried. And we know what that's like in the church too. When a beloved brother or sister in the church dies, we are in deep grief. And that's part of friendship and love. It's part of church. It's part of being a Christian. But we always call upon Jesus, just like Mary and Martha did when Lazarus died. So you have an amazing thing here called friendship. I experienced it. I think we all did. Um, that's why we're here today. We didn't have to come. We wanted to come here today. Finally, the last friendship I want to talk about is the disciples. And I could compare them with two groups that I worked intimately with here. And the first one was the session. And I have to say, when I was here, I don't know who's on session now, but I can guarantee you in my heart that I know that it's, they have the same integrity. And when I was here and I would moderate those session meetings, um, even when we dealt with really tough issues, and we dealt with some really tough issues. I'm looking at some of you and I know you know what I'm talking about. We, talk, we talked about some really tough issues. But they remained collegial and they were fair and they always followed their faith. 
The second group of disciples I saw was the staff, and I just have to do a shout out for the staff because they are rock stars. I could go on and on and on about the staff here, truly devoted, um, hard workers, honest, kind, and most of all, they love this church. They love you, and they want to do the best thing for you. Uh, as I was thinking about the Friends theme, I entertained the idea that each member of the staff as I went through the people that were here in staff, and many of them, many of them are still here, um, in some way mimic the characters in the show Friends um, in good ways. And I had in my mind this one and that one. I won't. I'll, maybe when we go to Central Perk at the coffee hour afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but in good ways, you know, it was this group that that they were like that. Um, they are all incredible disciples, and most of all for me, while I was here and even now, they are among those I call my closest friends. So I'm thankful that you invited me back. I'm thankful for my time here. I'm thankful that you consider me a friend. Um, and I am going to continue to say forever that I consider you a friend. Um, what a thing friendship is. World without end.
Friends, we have come to the point in our service where we get to celebrate what it means to be a part of this faith community and what it means to be generous givers. We give so much of who we are along with our time and our talents and our treasures, and God does this amazing thing. When we put all those things together, God multiplies them, and the outreach is incredible. Like a stone thrown out into the water, the ripples go out all over the world. So I invite you now to give, whether you do that online or through your phone or after worship, if you drop something into our black offering box, however you choose to give, please know that every dollar that you give goes to the work and the ministry and the mission of this people of God to change and help people where they are, to meet basic needs, to help them grow in their faith, and to truly be an outpost of who we say we are, which is a mission station. So we rejoice that God has blessed us and given us this opportunity to give back to God.
Transforming God, we stand before you with the best we have to offer. We stand before you with our gifts of money and time. Take these offerings and turn them into blessings beyond calculation for those who need it most. Bless the work of our hands and the gifts of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this feels familiar. <laughs> this gathering this morning of Rosedale's friends has a bit of a feeling of an old-timers game, you know? And I feel like maybe I'm the old-timer. As, as Anne reminded me this morning, my last birthday, the candles cost more than the cake did. <laughs> For those of you who may not know me, and there may be some, because I've been gone from here for 13 years, as unimaginable as that might be. But for those of you who don't know me, or for those of you that do and have forgotten, <laughs> I was privileged to be here and serve as your senior pastor for 20 years, from 1989 to 2009. And at your request, which I think was very generous, you asked the Presbytery to grant me the status of Pastor Emeritus, honorably retired. That's me. <laughs> now, for the four of us who were our guests this morning here, uh, we were given a wide latitude of what we might say. Really, there were no ground rules at all. But we had to limit it to just a couple of short minutes, which I think most of us have done. So far. <laughs> I find today is, it's a rather odd conjunction of two totally different things. First, here it is Rally Day, and here it is we're celebrating friends and friendship together in worship in this place in this time. And it's remarkable. And what a great time that has been. But second, of course, this is also the weekend when we're observing the 20th anniversary of 9-11, when enemies did their best to fracture our American spirits with attacks in Washington, D.C., New York City, and that strange barren field out in southwestern Pennsylvania. And so there we have it. There is this jolting juxtaposition right here, right now, this morning. Friends and enemies. Enemies and friends. I think there's a theological point to be made here. You know, the Bible has different ways of explaining and describing exactly what it was that Jesus Christ did for us. What Jesus did for us with his life, his ministry, his teachings, and of course, his death on the cross. And one of the ways the Bible puts this, one of the ways the Bible describes this is to say that we used to be God's enemies. Yeah, God's enemies. 
by not living the way that God intended us to live, by denying all the things that our Creator God wanted us to be and to do, humanity put itself into a position of being an enemy with God. But then the Bible also goes on to explain how God took the initiative to do something about that. And so from the covenant with Abraham and Sarah all the way down to that horrible cross on Good Friday afternoon, it's God who is reaching out and taking the initiative across that chasm of enmity to once again make us not enemies, but to make us friends. Friends. 2 Corinthians 5 puts it this way. When anyone is joined to Christ, they're a new being. The old is gone. The new has come. All this was done by God who through Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. So there it is. <laughs> now you've got it. Enemies and friends, friends and enemies. And here we are two decades after 9-11. And we're looking now at our country again. And what do we see? Not so much enemies on the outside, although there will always be those bad actors that attempt to do harm to others, but not so much enemies on the outside right now. And when we're looking at each other, what do we see? We're seeing more of enemies on the inside. When we see somebody who doesn't think like we do, or talk like we do, or look like we do, we start to see them as an enemy. And they're doing the very same thing back to us. Because they look at us and they see us as not being quite like them. And so we become an enemy. Now, now who are these people? They can be anybody with whom we disagree, or anybody who happens to disagree with us. From those who hold radical differences in political parties to the economic disparities that keep us so separate. From arguments about how in the world are we going to teach American history in this country to the deep racial divisions that still keep us apart. From combating together a threatening virus like COVID-19 to lawsuits over the wearing of something as simple as a protective mask. We're people who are angry right now. And, and we're angry most of the time with each other. We're people who largely have stopped listening to others. A people who have such diverse views that in many cases, communication is not only hard, it's becoming increasingly impossible. So, on this Friends Sunday, it seems to me that one of the central concerns of the Christian community right now needs to be a focus on the ministry of healing and reconciling and unifying and comforting and understand. Now my words here this morning are not in any way meant to be a political statement, but they are words, however, that I think do acknowledge the very deep divisions 
and the very deep differences and the very deep fears that right now are dividing us as a nation. As a reminder, I'd like to point out to you one thing. If one of the central functions of the very first early Christian church, one of their central functions was to be a unifier. To be a unifier in an age that had unparalleled disunity and difference. Read through Galatians 3 and you'll see where it talks about all of the differences that existed between people at that time. All of those dividing lines that kept folks separated from the various social strata of that day. Realize this. In the first century church AD, that was the one place, it was the only place, where people could actually come together across all of those lines that otherwise would have kept them irretrievably separate. You had slaves, you had free. You had male, you had female. You had young, you had old. You had rich, you had poor. You had Jew, you had Gentile. You had patrician, you had plebeian. And the only common unifying agent they had was their church connection. Twenty-one centuries later, you know, it might be that way now for us. At least for the next little while. This congregation and so many others like it may have to be the guiding light that provides a measure of healing between people that are so divided and angry right now, people who are so hurt and afraid right now, people who share such widely diverse ideas and opinions even about this country's future. That kind of guiding, unifying light can happen right here at Rosedale. And it can happen in the thousands of other Christian congregations just like this one. As we remember too that accepting another person as a fellow human being doesn't necessarily mean we have to agree from A to Z with everything that they think or feel. No. Accepting another person as a brother and a sister in the Lord is not necessarily in agreement with things that perhaps we find errant. But it does mean this. It means that our viewpoint of each other begins and ends as friends. Realizing that we are all the children of God. Realizing that we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. 